Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Profit Podcast, everything NFL and fantasy football related all season long with your host, Calvin Wright. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Profit Podcast. How are you all doing today? Uh, Today, we've got a somewhat special episode, an episode that I uh, wish I never had to make, but we're going to be talking about players who decided to opt out of the football season this year because of coronavirus, all right? We're going to talk about... uh, what, how we should react to this when these players opted out. And I'm also going to talk about the fancy implications of some of the more big-name offensive players, all right? So that's what we're going to be getting into. And I'm also going to address some questions of whether or not I think the NFL season will happen because that seems to be one of the more frequent questions I get, whether on TikTok or Instagram. I either get people saying, hey, do you think NFL is going to happen? Or more frequently, I get people just saying, This is a waste of time for you. NFL is not happening. And I want to address that. NFL season will happen. It will. It may be a delayed season. They may cut some games. They may alter how it happens exactly. But the NFL season will happen. Uh, I've been in contact, I can't say names, but with some bigger bigger people in the business high up. And they, they have heard that it will happen. Worst case scenario, it will be delayed to October. But whether or not it's happening isn't really in question. So I'm not worried that the NFL will not happen. I'm very much positive it will. I think it could be different than usual. It will be different than usual, but it will happen. And fantasy football is going to be a lot of fun because of this. It's going to be very different than usual. And I want to talk about also how league commissioners should manage this season. Because this year is going to be weird. It's going to be weird. It's already weird. Today's uh, podcast is about players who opted out of the season. That's never happened before. We don't have big-name players just deciding not to play. So I want to talk about if you're a fantasy football commissioner, how to manage this year. And if you are in a fantasy football league and you want to give some advice to your commissioner, shoot them this podcast uh, because this is going to be helpful. So let's just hop right into it. The order of events is going to be how to manage this as a commissioner, followed by the players opting out and what I think of the whole opting out. So if you're a manager, a commissioner, I would recommend setting big rosters, big depth for the benches. I would uh, do, you know, seven to eight bench spots, maybe more. But I think uh, this year, there are going to be quite a few times when players may be be exposed and quarantined for a couple weeks. And obviously, the the, uh, waiver wire is going to be extremely important. But I think it's going to be a little unfair this year especially if you're not using fab bidding, which is a fake fantasy football currency where you all bid on players. But if it's uh, up to the waiver system, I think it's unfair when we've got, you know, a lot of players who could potentially miss three games just at uh, uh, random. And your your uh, league mates aren't going to have a real chance. 
injuries they happen but this is a little bit different I think because it's a, a three weeks and then they come back so I think a deeper bench is optimal this year to minimize the amount of uh you know players that you have to add and drop this year because it, it's it's not going to be pretty if it's just you know a five six men bench and everyone is having to scruffle to the waiver wires every single day and picking up back. It's it's going to be ugly. It's going to be a disaster, and it may be unfair if a team is really good at the beginning and they're you know low down on the waiver priority, and then three of their players test positive for COVID, and bam, their season is over. You know, so I think deep benches make an emphasis on drafting depth in your league. Say hey. This isn't taking a strategy out. I'm just saying you're going to have to draft depth, not just players that you want to start, but think about this because there will be players missing games. So draft de- draft depth, and we're going to minimize the waivers. You know, I've played in uh, leagues with eight bench spots, and there's still lots of waiver wire activity throughout the year. It doesn't get rid of that part because that is a very fun part of the game. But this year, I think you should just emphasize drafting for depth, open up a few more spots on the bench, and let players, uh, you know, handcuff. This is the year of the handcuffs. Let players handcuff. See, uh, 2020, I think, is going to go down as the year of the handcuffs in terms of fantasy football. You know, Zeke Elliott goes down. Tony Pollard is a star for three weeks. Let the Zeke guy handcuff. The reason handcuffing doesn't work in real life is if you've got five, six bench spots, you're not able to waste that bench spot. But this year, when there's a huge reason to believe you're going to need to handcuff, there's got to be extra bench spots. You got to have it. It's just what should be done. So there's still going to be a lot of waiver activity. I've done teams and leagues with deeper benches, and it's still a lot of fun with the waivers. There's still guys that come out of nowhere and everyone bids or uh, tries to add them. So it's not removing that, but it's just it's giving players the opportunity to draft deeper teams with everyone knowing this is fair because, you know, there's a huge reason to believe you know, some of our players are going to miss time. Also, if you're in a league on sleeper, add the COVID reserve spots. Um, So injured reserve is a great idea. It's mostly used in dynasty or keeper leagues, but basically if a player goes on injured reserve, you can put them in a separate place on your roster and they're no longer taking up an active spot. You can add another person from the waiver wires or whatever. You get basically... They aren't on your team. They're just, you know, on an injured reserve. They don't affect anything, but you still have them. And I would recommend adding a lot of spots for COVID because, like I said, if players are getting COVID, you don't want people to have to drop Lamar Jackson and then try to pick him up. That's going to be a disaster. You got to add some injured reserve spots for your team. Let people place them on the injured reserve. Add, you know, three, four, five. It doesn't matter how many but just so long as people don't have to drop their star players because of COVID. Because we don't want COVID to affect our fantasy season. It's going to affect the NFL, but there are things we can do in fantasy football to make it so we're not going to be as affected by COVID. You know, you're still going to have to draft differently. You're going to want depth. You're going to want handcuffs. But add those injured reserve spots. Add it so that COVID players can be on injured reserve and give each team, you know, three, four, five maybe COVID spots. All right, so that's really my uh, main recommendations. Um, One more tip, if you're in a league with roster limitations, get rid of those roster limitations. They're awful. Roster limitations belong nowhere in fantasy football. It's just to make it so better players can't use strategy. 
That's all it does. Get rid of that setting that says you can't have more than four running backs. That that should not be a thing. That doesn't belong in fantasy football. Get rid of it, especially this year when you're going to have to draft for depth. All right, so now into the players that have opted out for COVID. The players we're going to be talking about are mostly offensive players because that's what you deal with in fantasy football. So we're going to start off with Green Bay Packers' Devin Funchess. The Chiefs had Damian Williams opt out. The Lions had Geronimo Allison, wide receiver, opt out. Miami had Alan Hearns and Albert Wilson opt out. Patriots just had a lot of players opt out. Uh, not anyone that we're going to talk about, but that's that's voting well for the tanking for Tua. And the Eagles had Marquise Goodwin opt out. And the 49ers had Travis Benjamin opt out. So those are the players we're going to just talk a little bit about, how that will affect those teams and how you should... Uh, analyze that from a fantasy football perspective but first off i want to say if you are complaining that the players are selfish and greedy because you don't get to watch them play or you don't get to own them in fantasy football now you're wrong you're the selfish one these these players they made hard decisions uh most of them it was for a very good reason they think that this is a real threat to themselves or their family and they they're they're putting that first so don't complain don't get mad at these players for opting out it's their decision they made with their family. Let them be. Uh, they, I'm sure none of them wanted to opt out and miss this season. So just, just don't complain. It doesn't help anyone. Your Twitter rants won't make them come back. It just makes you look bad. So uh, please be mature about that. I've seen a lot of people you know, name-calling these guys, calling them greedy, just completely bashing these players for doing something that they think is going to you know, help protect their family. And it's it's pretty bad so don't be part of that all right so the first one we're going to talk about is green bay packers wide receiver devin funches devin funches has opted out funches he was on the carolina panthers uh he was he was good i think he played at michigan in college but he hasn't ever done much in the pros he uh just he's never really been a great wide receiver you know, he was always good for 400, 500 yards, but he's never been a star. I think his best season was in 2018 when he had over 500 yards and four touchdowns. In 17, he had eight touchdowns. So he's a bigger target. He's a red zone target. Um, he's had some decent seasons. Uh, 2017, yeah, that would be his best season with over 800 yards and eight touchdowns. But apart from that, he's never been exactly fantasy relevant. But he's fantasy relevant for the players around him. Eight touchdowns in 2017, four in 2018, he had five in 2015, and four in 2016. He's a red zone target. He will catch touchdowns when he's playing, even if he's not getting a lot of yards. What does this mean for the Packers? It means Alan Lazard is in for a breakout season. That's what it means. Alan Lazard coming into that third year, a typical time when we see wide receivers break out. He has, in my opinion, a clear-cut path to being the wide receiver two for the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers. You may say Rodgers is on the decline and the Packers want to run the ball. Sure, those can arguments can be made for both of those, but still, the wide receiver two for the Green Bay Packers historically has been pretty valuable in fantasy football, whether it's Randall Cobb or uh, uh, it was Jordy Nelson, Donald Driver, and Jordy Nelson. It, it's always, they've had a good history of those wide receivers two being fantasy productive. And there are going to be a lot of targets that were there last year that are gone. Geronimo Allison is from now on the Lions. He's gone. They bring in Funchess, you know, a big red zone target. 
he averages about five, six touchdowns a season, he's gone. There's going to be a lot of goal line work uh, for Alan Lazard there and Devontae Adams. So I think it bodes well for both those receivers touchdown-wise. Adams didn't have many touchdowns last year. I think that will go up. I predicted positive touchdown regression. This helps. And Alan Lazard, I think this is writing on the wall that Alan Lazard is about to have a breakout season. All righty. So the next player we're going to talk about is Damian Williams opting out the Kansas City Chiefs running back. This is definitely the biggest name that opted out. Uh, Damian Williams, he came in when Kareem Hunt kicked the person at the hotel, and he was great at the end of that season. Last year, he was drafted pretty high, considered by many to be a boss, but he had some big games. He had a big touchdown run. And then in the Super Bowl playoffs, he turned it on. He was, a lot of people considered him the the true MVP of the Super Bowl and say that they just gave it to Mahomes because he was the quarterback. I kind of agree with that. Damian Williams is a good player, hasn't always translated into fantasy production, but he's a good player. What does this mean, him opting out? It means Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to be the guy. That That's really what it means. And Clyde Edwards-Hilaire instantly is boosted from RB2 status to fringe RB1 status, but a lot of people are going to be taking him as an RB1, I think. And I, I, as good as he is, as involved as I think he will be in this offense, I don't like him anywhere in the first round. Second round, I think he's a decent pick. But in the first round, I'm still not picking him, even with this news of Damian Williams opting out. I think this whole idea that rookie running backs, there's always one that's just a beast, it's really the definition of recency bias. There was never this expectation for rookie running backs to come in and be, you know, top five guys. And then Zeke did it, Alvin Kamara, um, uh, yeah, Alvin Kamara, Saquon, and a couple other guys have done it really recently, just exploded their rookie season. And it's caused us to just assume that that's what rookie running backs do. And last year is a great, uh, great lesson to learn that we can't expect that last year there wasn't a running back that fit that profile of Ezekiel Elliott or even uh, Alvin Kamara and people still wanted there to be a breakout rookie running back and they labeled David Johnson as the breakout running back and that didn't work well they labeled Miles Sanders as the breakout running back and that didn't work well unless you had him at the very end of last season so this expectation that rookie running backs come in and are just amazing is really just something that we've started to believe because of you know the 2016-17 classes those were very talented classes great situations but not something that we can always bank on happening So why don't I like him in that first round, even if I believe he's going to have the opportunity, which for a lot of times, that's the problem with these rookie running backs. They don't have the opportunity. Because I think Damian Williams, like the best thing you're hoping for is for him to perform like Josh Jacobs. And I'd rather just draft Josh Jacobs knowing what I'm getting. Or uh, even Miles Sanders, probably over Damian Williams. I mean, over uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Yeah, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Sorry, I said Damien Williams. Um, you're expecting Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, like the ceiling for him. You're kind of thinking is what Miles Sanders and Josh Jacobs are. So why not just take those guys knowing that they're that instead of wishful thinking that that's what Clyde Edwards-Hilaire will be? I just don't love him in that first round. Second round, go for it. Um, still not my favorite, but in the second round, I think he's a good pick. 
All righty. Next player. Detroit Lions wide receiver Geronimo Allison has opted out. This this doesn't mean much. It just really solidifies Kenny Galladay as a great fantasy option, and it really solidifies TJ Hawkinson as someone that I uh, really might be targeting late round as a tight end breakout. And uh, it bodes well also for Marvin Jones. For Geronimo Allison to be out, it really solidifies the receiving core that we all know and love of Galladay and Marvin Jones. Those guys, they're going to be exactly what they were last year. They should be. Maybe even a bit better with Matthew Stafford healthy, but I don't think we can bank on Stafford being healthy the full season. But the player that affects most is TJ Hawkinson. Look, with Geronimo Allison there, Hawkinson and Allison were going to have to compete for the, you know, number three weapon or receiving weapon for Matthew Stafford. Now with Allison there, it's it's clear-cut Hawkinson is the number three guy. Uh, he's not a receiver, he's a tight end, but he is the number three guy. And if anything happens to Kenny Galladay or Marvin Jones, holy smokes, he's the number two. And I think he can produce as the number three guy there. I think he can be a good tight end. And I think if anything happens to any of those other receivers, bam, he's a top, top six tight end this year. He's drafted in the first round. You don't draft tight ends that early in the first round. I think eighth overall pick, unless you're planning on having them heavily involved Everything is boding well for TJ Hawkinson. And he flashed last season. He flashed that week one against the against the Cardinals, even though we realized the Cardinals were the worst tight end defense. He did flash his talent. And the question has never been talent. It's opportunity. The opportunity is looking good for TJ Hawkinson. I'm drafting him with full confidence as a late round tight end. All right, Miami Dolphins, both Alan Hearns and Albert Wilson have opted out. What does this mean? Not much. I'm not interested in the Dolphins for fantasy football this year. Um, I think it means Devontae Parker. Yeah, he should be good again. Doesn't really have anything to compete with. It means Mike Gesicki, um, Gesicki, however you pronounce it, he's the number two. And they should both have good seasons. Gesicki is another tight end that I'm targeting late as I think he could break out because he's the number two. But uh, the player it affects most in terms of headline players would be... uh, Tua Tagovailoa, Tua Tagovailoa, Tua Tua Tagovailoa. Goodness, I still can't pronounce it. I got to get better pronouncing that. Every time I make a podcast, I say his name. I'm like, yes, I did it right. And then all the comments are, hey, you still butchered the name. Tua Tagovailoa. I think that was it. Uh, This means Tua Tagovailoa, Tua, will not play this year. uh, I don't think at all. If at all, it's last like three, four games. But with depleted wide receivers... A running back that they don't, not someone they, you know, drafted, Jordan Howard and Matt Breida. He's not starting. They're just going to have Ryan Fitzpatrick be there. Fitzpatrick is good enough to get them some wins, put up some uh, produce with Parker and Kosaiki. He can support them, but they are not in a situation where they would want to play their young franchise guy, Tua. So he's not playing this year. All right, Philadelphia Eagles, Marquise Goodwin is opting out. This is is exactly what I would have expected. The Eagles, they finally bring in another wide receiver to help Carson Wentz, and he opts out. Um, Goodwin, I've always been a fan. Uh, One of the fastest players in the NFL, maybe the fastest. Uh, He's definitely had some some problems uh, with family. I feel bad for the guy. Uh, He's a great talent, but he hasn't been able to produce consistent fantasy numbers. So nothing is changing fantasy-wise 
with Goodwin opting out in terms of the Eagles. You know, it keeps uh, Zach Ertz, Alshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson, um, Jalen Rager, even uh, Dallas Godair. It keeps their targets what we would expect. It doesn't affect them. So it affects them by not affecting them. But uh, it's it's pretty funny that the Eagles, they cannot get wide receivers for Wentz. And it's looking like it's going to continue that way. All right, San Francisco 49ers. Travis Benjamin has opted out. Uh, this really doesn't mean much. But he was an offensive player, so I wrote him down. Uh, Travis Benjamin opting out, I guess, good for Brandon Ayuk. Uh, Debo Samuel, I don't think will really be in the picture. So George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk are going to be the guys. Um, not too excited about this offense this year. I I don't think that's enough for it to work. Uh, Breida's gone. Um, isn't they lost another running back? I know. One second. Yeah, Matt Breida's gone. That's that's really the main. But he was a big part of that offense. He was always good for some massive runs. So they've got Raheem Mostert and Tevin Coleman, uh, Jarek McKinnon, I guess. Although. He's never been healthy in his career. Uh, so really, I'm not excited about this offense. I think they're going to take a step backwards. I think the 49ers as a whole are going to take a massive step backwards this year, offensively at least. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, I think, is a good quarterback, but I think he needs a system with these you know, consistently decent wide receivers. And with Debo injured and now Travis Benjamin opting out, I don't see enough for Jimmy Garoppolo to be as good as he was last year. And I don't think the run game will be as good as it was last year. Having a run heavy, run efficient offense, that is very difficult to continue year to year. Uh, I, I think this team is going to take a big step back. I uh, I could see them being third in the division after the Cardinals, honestly. Sounds crazy, but I think they have a Super Bowl let down year. They made it to the Super Bowl. This is the year they go back and win. No, this is the year they're bad. It, it's just not going to be the 49ers year. That's that's everything that's I've seen is looking like the 49ers are going to decline. All right, so that's that's the last really uh, offensive player that opted out. Mostly a lot of offensive linemen, defenders, which still matter a lot, but for fantasy football, uh, I'm not going to be talking about it. Now, one thing I want to address, news is coming out today. Bruce Arians says Ronald Jones is going to be the main running back. LaShawn McCoy will get a little pass-catching work. Uh, that's that's how it's going to work out. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. There's Dare Ugabadwale. He's still there. They just drafted Keyshawn Vaughn. Why do they have all these guys and bring in LaShawn McCoy if Ronald Jones is the guy? That That, that doesn't make sense, guys. If they have faith in Ronald Jones, then why have they brought in Keyshawn Vaughn and LaShawn McCoy and kept Dare Ogubadabala, whatever. <laughs> I can't pronounce that one. He and Tua, I can't pronounce their last names. But I'm not buying it. I am not buying the Ronald Jones hype. I bought it his rookie season, and he was horrible. Last year, he was better but still didn't show me anything that made me say, yes, he's going to be great. And then when they bring in LaShawn McCoy and draft Keyshawn Vaughn, there's no reason for me to buy into this Ronald Jones hype. But the Ronald Jones truthers, they're going to they're gonna catch you. They are fierce. They are, they're, they're one of the fiercest uh, groups of fantasy football truthers out there. Them and the Josh Allen guys, 
They are crazy. You say anything about Ronald Jones being inefficient, and bam, you're going to know the offensive line's bad. They didn't use him correctly. So many excuses where maybe he's just not that good. Maybe he's just not that good. I like to follow the money, the acquisitions that the team makes, not the coaches hyping up players in practice. Okay, Bruce, I get it. You're trying to hype up your player, but you can't convince me he's the guy when you bring in LaShawn McCoy and Keyshawn Vaughn. I'm not buying it. Um, yeah, so a little, little rant there, a little tangent. Uh, but, but guys, be wary of this. Be wary of the preseason hype. The preseason hype, even though there's no preseason, this training camp hype, I think it's going to be extra crazy this year. Every year, there's like a highlight video posted of a player making a great catch or running through a brick wall. And all the fancy people, they're like, yes, this is the year he's, he's been taking the offseason seriously. He's going to be great. And every year, it's just hubbub, you know, hype videos. Don't take these hype videos seriously. Uh, <laughs> just don't. They never actually work out. I mean, unless a player really has transformed themselves like uh, Christian Caffrey did last year. It looks like Austin Eckler has. Don't take these little highlight videos or coaches saying random stuff in practices. Don't take these as fantasy uh, fantasy truth. Just don't. It never pans out that well. Um, and the hype for these guys, it's going to be insane this year with uh, sports being gone for so long and uh, no preseason. People are going to get bored. They're going to post these videos to push their own narrative. Uh, the like I said, the Ronald Jones truthers, they're bored. They're looking for anything they can get to keep hyping up Ron, Ronald Jones. You better believe if uh, if the Bills coach comes out and says, Josh Allen's accuracy is great, it's improved, his ADP is going to skyrocket. People are going to buy into this preseason hype, and then they're going to come out week one and see Ah, uh, no, he's the same. This happens every single year. Don't buy into these highlight videos on Instagram. Don't, just don't. It's, it's, we have so much of a sample size for so many of these players that one highlight video that they post on their Instagram story should not affect the way we value them. All right? That's just today's Kelvin's lesson of the day. Don't ever buy into these preseason hypes. We have sample sizes of players. We have ways to analyze them statistically. We have film to watch. The one place you should not be getting your your uh, fantasy football opinions is from personal players' personal Instagram account stories. Instagram account stories. That is not where you should be getting your hype. You can share it around, get your players to buy in, get your players to bite on Ronald Jones because Bruce Arians says he's gotten fast or something. But you, you're smarter than that. Don't buy into this preseason hype that goes around every year at training camp. It's hard. I, it's hard. You're excited for the season. You've been waiting, and you see a little bit of football action on your uh, feed. You get excited. You do. Uh, it's just how it works, but you can't let it affect how you play fantasy. All right, guys, that's enough time for today. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Profit Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, if, if you did, please drop a five-star review on Apple podcast. If you did not enjoy it, please don't leave a one-star review, please. That, that, that kills my podcast. So please, if you hated it, just, 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 just say you hate it privately. Um, but thank you for listening. I hope this helped commissioners. Please take some of this advice. Don't take all of it if you don't want, but just think about adding depth. Think about adding these COVID reserve spots. Just try to make this season as fair as possible. Don't let coronavirus decide who wins your fantasy league. All right, everyone. Thanks. As always, make sure you follow on Instagram, uh, YouTube, uh, TikTok, 
all those places I am. Just at the profit on every platform. Have a great day.